Great. It's great to see you this afternoon. I'd love you to turn back uh, in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We've been here for the last few weeks. It's on page 970. And we're working our way through the way that Jesus taught us to pray. And I don't know whether anything has changed. It's just, I, I know that some people are here for the first time. It's great that you're here if you've never been before or haven't been for a while. It's great to see you. If you have been here for the last couple of weeks, has anything changed? Have you done anything differently as a result of listening to what Jesus says about prayer? I hope so. And you may have had lots of good intentions and, and, and you haven't quite fulfilled all of them, but even if one little thing has changed, you see, that's good. Because God's word is supposed to change us. As Jesus teaches us to pray, it's not so that we go, oh, that's interesting. It's so that we do something different. So even this afternoon, as we look at the next little bit, why not be asking God, what am I going to do differently? How's this going to change me? But we're going to read it first. Um, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. And I wonder, why don't we read the prayer together out loud? Let's pray it together from the text. Um, Let's use these words Jesus taught us. And let's pray. So Jesus said, this then is how you should pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Well, today we're going to zoom in on that phrase, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We've already thought that the first half of this prayer is all about God. It's not about us. It's about him. It's about calling him father and seeking the honor of his name and the coming of his kingdom and the the joy of the kingdom having come. But what does it mean to pray your will be done? It's funny this. People pray this prayer over and over and over again. It's, if you're in any church at any time, this, this prayer is prayed so often, and yet sometimes we don't stop and think, what does it actually mean? What does it mean to say to God, your will be done? Isn't that quite a strange thing to pray? That's what I want us to try and explore this afternoon. And I want to start with a scale, okay, of... Um, Two different sorts of people, and, and there's, you'll be a scale somewhere in between this. Okay, over here, not you personally, but over here are what I want to call the control freaks. Okay, these are the people who just love for everything to be planned, to know what's happening, and to be absolutely clear. They love it when things are going properly, and they, they, they just love to make sure everything's in its right place. They're the control freaks, the planners. And when things go wrong, that is very stressful. (laughs) Because we need to put it right. And control is really the key. And control freaks are very convinced by the idea that they are the master of their own destiny. That they are the ones who have responsibility for their life and whatever happens is their choice. Um, to, To use the the great 
figure of literature, uh, Emmett Brown from um, Back to the Future. He said this, at the end of the Back to the Future trilogy, three films, at the end of the trilogy, this is, sums up the message of Back to the Future. He said, your future is whatever you make it, so make it a great one. Your future is whatever you make it, right? That's, that's the philosophy that our world lives by. You can do whatever you want and that your future is your responsibility. And some of us, we are very stressed and we're very wanting everything to be under control. At the other end, uh, a different, a different sort of people. They're the shruggers, right? They're the ones who go, it'll be all right. They're the ones who don't really plan. Life just sort of happens to them. And they drift through life. And they sort of say, well, whatever happens, case there are, are, whatever will be, will be. That's their sort of motto. What's the point of even trying? And over here, fate and chance and those sort of things control everything that we say, well, it's, it's all in the hands of the gods, in the lap of the gods. Or we read our horoscope and we say, let's see what the stars have got for me. And we kind of abdicate responsibility somewhere else. They're the shruggers. Now, what happens when these two pray? What happens when a control freak prays? So here's a control freak, and they're a Christian, and they, they understand that they need to pray... But they only pray in order to get God to get their plans to work. They pray when things go wrong. They, prayer is another way of trying to control what's going on. Right? And some of us are like this. Prayer becomes how I try and fulfill my great plans. So prayer becomes another thing that I get stressed about because I need to pray better so that my plans work better, so my life is better. That's the, down this end, these guys don't, they sort of pray, but they pray very like, well, what's even the point? Because they've come to church and they've heard about God and they know that God knows the, God knows all things. There's no point in me telling him anything because he already knows it. You know, sometimes you hear people pray like they're informing God, right? I was at a church once and the, the guy stood up to pray. It was brilliant. He stood up to pray and he went, uh, dear God, um, I don't know if you've seen the Daily Echo tonight, um, but there's been a, and it was, it was very funny opening line. <laughs> so yes, I think he knows. So over here, right, these guys, they've got that. They've got that nailed. God knows everything. God's in control. He knows the future. He's working out his plans. And so these guys go, well, what's the point of praying? Why do I bother praying? It makes no difference. Either God is going to do this thing or he isn't. Now, I, most of us at some point will have thought that, right? Has the thought never crossed your mind, if you've tried praying, has the thought never crossed your mind, well, this is going to happen anyway, so why am I bothered praying about it? We all feel that from time to time. And we can end up in a very fatalistic place. Here's a place of human freedom and libertarianism. Here's a place of fatalism where everything, case all right, it's all in, out of my control. And we have this nagging doubt that prayer is pointless. So I wonder where you sit, from the control freak through to the shrugger. Or perhaps you kind of wander between the two. Here is the genius of what Jesus teaches us to pray. This phrase, these four words, your will be done, they challenge both ends. 
and they help us both ends to learn how to pray. It is these four words. I mean, the more we've done this Lord's Prayer, you just there's so much depth. There's so it's remarkable what Jesus packs into these words. So we're going to have some time to think, right? What is the will of God? What does that even mean? If we're going to pray, your will be done, what are we actually asking for? And then we're going to come back right at the end to see these two scales and how it applies. I've got five things I want us to see about the will of God, but don't panic, it's going to be fun. All right? The first thing is we need to understand that the will of God is seen in his commands and in his plans. Now, let me just get a little bit technical for a second, all right? When we talk about the will of God, we've got to be careful to distinguish between these two things. The Bible uses the will of God for these two different things, God's commands and his plans. So, God's commands, the things that God wants, the things that God loves, the Ten Commandments. What's the will of God? Ten Commandments. That's what God wants. That's what God wills. So if you want to know what God's will is, you open up the Bible and you read what he says. It's like when I, if I write a will for when I die, my will expresses my desire. This is what I want to happen. Or even whenever I use the words will, I'm, I'm saying I will. This is what I want. Right? It expresses a desire. And so you have God's will being used for God's commands. But that isn't the only way that the, word, the Bible uses the word will. Because if I ask you this question... Is God's will always done if the will is the command? Is God's word always kept and obeyed? No. But there is a sense in the Bible that God's will is used to refer to his plan or his decrees. So there is the will of command and the will of decree. There are two types of will. And God's decrees, God's plans... Well, that can never be thwarted. God is absolutely in control. Let me show you one verse. We could spend ages doing this, and I haven't got time to do all of this. But look at this one verse from Isaiah chapter 14. Just see the extent of what it says. This is the plan determined for the whole world. This is the hand stretched out over all nations. For the Lord Almighty has purposed, and who can thwart him? His hand is stretched out, and who can turn it back? So there is a plan for the whole world. And it is God's plan, and it will happen. This is what is known as God's sovereignty. This is his power. This is his rule. And the Bible says extraordinary things about the extent of God's control. The casting of lots, the rolling of dice, under God's sovereign rule. The sparrows flying around, the millions of sparrows, one falls to the, under the sovereign will of God. 
Now look, if this doesn't make you start to ask some questions, then you're not listening. God is in control of everything. That is what the Bible teaches. That is the extent of his sovereignty. That is his will is always done. Now, God's commands are not always obeyed, but his will of decree is always done. Now, we're going to cover some questions, okay? So, hold on to that. At this point, I want you to see the difference between the will of command and the will of decree. That's important for us to understand what we mean when we say, your will be done. Got it? Two different types of will. Yes? Everyone happy? Good. Okay. Let's move on. Let's think about the will of God as it is in heaven. So Jesus says, when he teaches us to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, what is the will of God like in heaven? Well, this is cool. Because in heaven, there is an absolute match between the will of command and the will of decree. They absolutely match, unlike my hands. You know those toys that you had as a kid with the shapes? And the the, the kind of five-pointy star that you had to get through the hole with the five-pointy star? There's an absolute match between what God plans and what God commands. And there's this match between the, the, the obedience that there is in heaven. And so, in heaven, everything is done according to the will of God. Heaven is the place where God dwells. Heaven is the place where God has his throne. Heaven is the place where God rules. And in heaven, there is a host of angelic beings who do his bidding, who do what he says, who carry out his will of command in order to carry out his will of decree. And there's an absolute match between those two things. Have a look at this quote. I found this this week. See what you think of this. Um, This was John Newton, the guy who wrote Amazing Grace, the slave trader. He he wrote this. You have to think a little bit about this, but I, I like this. If two angels were to receive at the same moment a commission from God, one to go down and rule Earth's grandest empire, the other to go and sweep the streets of its meanest village, it would be a matter of entire indifference to each which service fell to his lot? The post of ruler or the post of scavenger? For the joy of the angels lies only in obedience to God's will. And with equal joy, they would lift a Lazarus in his rags to Abraham's bosom or be a chariot of fire to carry an Elijah home. What John Newton is trying to capture is that sense that in heaven, everything is worked out and there is perfect obedience to the command of God bringing about the plan of God. A direct correspondence between them. It's a picture of beautiful harmony. God rules from his throne and the hosts of heaven joyfully and willingly obey. Doesn't that sound good? There's no opposition. There are no rivals. That is what heaven is like. Okay? Third point. The will of God as it is on earth. So what is what happens when we think about earth? Well, you can pretty blatantly see that that is not the case on earth. It is not the case 
that humanity joyfully and willingly obeys the command of God to bring about the decree of God. Humanity rather defiantly stands against the commands of God. We break the decree of command. And in that sense, we stand opposed to God's will. We resist his will. God says, do this, and we say, no. Humanity has taken its stand against God. And so God's will of command is not fulfilled. But that does not stop his will of decree. And so the way that God's will works on earth is that as humanity defies God's will of command, God works out his will of decree. And he is able to take human defiance and rebellion and work out his purposes. Now, I know this is perhaps a little bit technical, but genuinely this matters for us to understand. The clearest explanation of this in the Old Testament comes in the life of Joseph, right? Joseph in his technicolor dream coat. Joseph, who saw the dreams, he had 11 brothers, and then dad favored Joseph and bought him a nice coat, and the others got jealous and angry, and they threw him in a pit. And Joseph got sold into slavery, and he ended up being charged with rape and adultery. He was chucked in prison. Miserable. Look what Joseph said at the end of his life. This is what Joseph, this was Joseph's reflection on what has happened to him. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I want you to think about that verse very clearly. Joseph's brothers were out to harm Joseph. Was that God's will of command? Had God commanded them to hate their brother, spit on him, throw him in a pit? Is that what God had commanded? No. And so as God looked at those brothers selling their younger brother into slavery, was he pleased? No. He was grieved because his will was not being done. He was grieved because it was wrong. And yet at the very same time, God is intending it for good. Notice this carefully. Not God managed to twist it round and make something good out of it. No, God intended it. Now this is brain stretching, but here is what Jesus wants us to see as we look at this prayer. As he says, your will be done. He wants us to understand that God is so big and so powerful and so sovereign that he is able to take the breaking of his commands and use them to bring about his purposes. To intend to bring about what he plans, which is the saving of many lives. And so humanity makes their free choice. Those brothers, as they sell their brother into slavery, are they guilty? Yes. Are they making a free choice? Yes, they are. They are free to choose to obey God. They're free to choose to disobey. And so they're guilty. And yet God at the very same time works out his will of decree. This is hard. 
And yet actually we're going to see in a minute there's incredible freedom. But you know, this really matters. Because if you have been harmed by someone, if you have been wronged by someone, it is extraordinarily important for you to know that God hates what has been done to you. Just think of the moment when Judas betrayed Jesus. As Judas walked towards Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane to kiss him and betray him to death. Do you not think that all of heaven was grieved? Do you not think the angels of heaven, as they watched their precious darling prince of heaven, do you not think their hearts were breaking? And yet even Judas in that moment does not thwart God's plan. He carries out God's plan. He is working out the plan of God. And you might say to me, I can't understand how both those things can be true. Well, the Bible says they are. And God is so big and so powerful that we need to learn to trust him. And so what you have on earth is not the beauty of heaven where there's joyful obedience to God's commands which brings about the command of decree. That's not what happens on earth. On earth there is rebellion against God's commands but it still brings about the will of God's decree. Okay. Hold on to these truths. We're going to land them in a minute. Let's think about the fourth thing. The will of God in the life of Jesus. What do you see in Jesus? Well, this is what you see. Heaven comes to earth. And in Jesus, you see the will of God being done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus, you get a little glimpse into what true obedience, true, joyful, heavenly obedience looks like. Here is Jesus, the eternal son of God, who became Man who took on flesh, who became a real human being. And in Jesus, you see him joyfully and willingly obeying the Father in order to bring about the decree of God, the plans of God. And you don't see that anywhere more clearly than in Matthew chapter 26. I'd love you to turn to Matthew chapter 26, page 997. If you want to know how to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're going to watch the perfect man pray exactly that prayer. Verse 38, we're told, Then Jesus said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. 
yet not as I will, but as you will. Just jump down to verse 42. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. This is the moment when Jesus won the battle. This is the moment when Jesus obeyed his father, entrusted himself to his father, and said, I'm in your hands. Your will be done. Jesus, in his humanity, did not want to go to the cross. He didn't want to suffer that pain. He didn't want to experience that agony. He did not want to experience being cut off from his father. And yet, Jesus was willing to obey his father. He was willing to say to his father, but your will be done. And in that moment, Jesus handed over control of his life to his father and said, I trust you. That is the will of God being done on earth as it is in heaven. That was hard. Jesus did that with tears. Jesus did that with sweat like drops of blood rolling down his face because it was so hard to do and yet Jesus obeyed. And so what we see in Jesus is this perfect will of God being acted out. He perfectly obeyed the command and carried out the purposes of God. And then he went to a cross to die. And as he went to a cross to die, do you think the father was pleased? No. The father wasn't happy. The father did not command the wicked people to murder Jesus. The father did not issue that command. They were resisting God's command. And yet, as they resisted his command, he worked out his plan. And Jesus died on a cross to save the world. It's there at the cross you see it most clearly. Humanity in all our wickedness. God in all his sovereign control. Meeting at the cross. And God working out his plan. Jesus had to die. He had to die because it was the only way to save me. I'm a rebel against God's will. I've defied God's will again and again. I've broken his will of command again and again and again. I deserve death, but Jesus took it for me. And God in his sovereign power worked out his plan. Okay, now we're going to come back to our praying. The will of God in our praying. What does it mean then to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? What is the point of praying that God's will would be done? Is God's will going to be done in his sovereign decree type will? Yes, So what's the point of praying? Why bother praying? Because God's already decided what's going to happen. He's already got his plan, so why pray? (laughs) The answer is staggering. Because God will bring about his will through our prayers. Because God has so decreed it that we pray and his will is done. That as we pray, that is our part. We take part. He involves us. In 
his plan. So when we pray, do things change? Does our praying do anything? Yes, it does. When we pray, things happen. Because that's what God has decreed. And we may say, well, ooh, does that mean if that person hadn't prayed, that it, that something else would have happened? That's a, that's a wrong question, right? That's a wrong question. So when someone is sick and we pray and they get better, we say, well, would, it, would they have got better if I had, hadn't prayed? But the point is you did pray. And it's a nonsense question because God, in his sovereign planning, has planned our praying and we take part in that. I hope that gives you confidence and encouragement. So let me apply this to the control freak over here. The control freak won't really cope very well with this. Because the control freak wants to be in control. The control freak wants to have hold of the wheel. And this message, this prayer, let your will be done, calls on the control freak to let go. Let go of the wheel. Let go of trying to be the one who's in control. Let go of the one who's trying to sort everything out. And as you pray, your will be done. You do what Jesus did in the garden and you entrust yourself to God. You say, your will be done. And you say, I want my life to match like Jesus. I want to obey your commands, your decree of command, your will of command so that your will of decree might be worked out through my life. I want to be one of those. I want to obey like it is in heaven. I want to taste the joyful, wonderful, willing, worshipful obedience of the angels in heaven. I want a bit of that. Your will be done in my life. You let go of your plans. You let go of needing to be in charge. And you say to God, what you will, where you will, when you will. Do with me what you will. That is a terrifying prayer for control freaks to pray. Isn't it? To say to God, I want you to use me in whatever way you will. That's scary. But that's what it means to pray your will be done. So let me pray that. We're going to talk to you in in a minute. Um, Let's just apply that to decision-making. You good at making decisions? What does it mean to make decisions down this end? Oh, we get so stressed, don't we? What if I get it wrong? What if I fall out of the will of God? Oops, where's the will of God gone? Like there's this road that I'm supposed to be on. And I, you know, I, I marry the wrong person. Now I'm going down the wrong road. The will of God's over there. I'm going, how do I get back there, right? We get all stressed about the will of God. That's the wrong way to understand the will of God. The will of God is revealed in his word. You obey this. And then trust him for the direction that you go. We've got to get out of this idea that there's, oh man, there's these two jobs and I don't know which one's enough. If I pick the wrong one, I might be in the wrong will of God. No, you, you can't. 
Because I'm, I'm sorry if this really bursts your bubble, but you are not the person who can spoil God's will of decree. He will do what he purposes. So trust him. And so when you come to make a decision, make a decision. Get on with it. Think it through. Read the Bible. Is there anything in the Bible that helps me to make this decision? Talk to some people. But make a decision. You're free to make a decision. As you say to God, your will be done. And as you begin to go down that road, you discover that God is the one who's guiding you. Often you can't tell that till you look back. And you go, how did I get here? Oh, look. Look at that. Look at all the ways that God has guided me. Entrust yourself to God's will. So make some decisions. Trust it to God. It also helps you when you fail. Because when you fail, control freaks, that's it. It's all over. But when you fail, God hasn't failed. God hasn't stopped working. You can trust him. Can I tell you one of the things that really most stressed me out about planting Globe Church? And still does, really, to a large extent. You know, there's that sense of, did you feel called to this? Hmm, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. How, how, how do I know? Oh, um, and what if it fails? You see, these are the things that terrify me. But if I'm praying, your will be done as it, on earth as it is in heaven. Father, I just want to obey what you say. I want to do what you say. I want to live according to what you say. And I will trust you. And if Globe Church grows, praise God. If Globe Church fails, praise God. It doesn't matter. Because it's his will, not mine. This is liberating. Scary, but liberating. And perhaps for some of us this afternoon, God is saying you need to learn to let go. You need to learn to let go of your um, desperate desire to be in control of everything. God says, I have got you, right? I have got you. I'm able to work out all the purposes of all the universe. I can cope with your life. Let go. This ends, just as we finish, to, uh, to, to the shruggers. God says, take hold. Get involved in God's plan. These guys need to learn to let go and chill out. These guys need to wake up. Stop messing around. Stop using, oh, God, you know, God will do whatever, whatever. No, we, we are called to do stuff. We're called to pray, your will be done. So every day as you wake up, you could pray, Heavenly Father, your will be done today. What you will, when you will, how you will. Every person I meet today, what your will is. Lord, please, your will be done in my life. Wake up. Start to pray for people. The person you sit next to at work, Heavenly Father, please would you save that person next to me. How do you know that that isn't a prayer that God has sovereignly ordained from back billions of years ago, that you would pray so that your friend would come to know Jesus. This is what God does. He's brilliant. Your will be done. 
And there will be times when I think this is the most painful prayer to pray of all these lines in the Lord's Prayer. Because there will be times when God's will doesn't match what you want. And you will have what could be described as a Gethsemane moment. When you will face a choice. And I know people who through tears, through gritted teeth have said, your will be done. I'm going to say no to this because I want to do what you say. And have entrusted themselves to God. That's how Jesus teaches us to pray. So don't seek guidance for your decisions based on how you feel. Do I feel at peace about it? That's a rubbish way to make a decision. Do you think Jesus felt at peace about going to the cross? Of course not. He entrusted himself to his father. We don't ignore our feelings, but let's be careful. Jesus teaches us to pray. Your will be done. So perhaps you need to let go. Perhaps you need to take hold. Perhaps you need to get involved. Perhaps you need to stop just trying to control everything or just drifting through life. Be someone who is on it for God's purposes and pray your will be done this week. What would that look like in your life? Let's pray together now. Heavenly Father, we... We thank you. We thank you for your beautiful commands that express perfectly your will. Father, we thank you for the beauty of them and we're so sorry for all the times when we break your command. Father, we thank you too for your sovereign will, your will of decree, that you are working your purposes out and no one can thwart you. Father, it would be terrifying if everything was down to us. We would stuff it up so quickly. And so, Father, as a church family, as individuals, as Christians, we want to bow before you and say, your will be done. Father, we entrust ourselves to you. Thank you for your amazing kindness. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that in Gethsemane you chose to do your Father's will so that you could save us. So, Father, your will be done, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.